This podcast is supported by Anchor FM. If you've ever thought about doing your own podcast, then check out Anchor FM. Anchor FM is a free podcast platform that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Or your tablet if you got one. I really can't recommend these guys enough. It was worth switching over from another platform. Once you set up your podcast, Anchor FM will automatically distribute it to all other platforms like Spotify or Apple Podcasts or such and such. It's very easy, very streamlined, and you can start making money immediately. Download the free Anchor app or log on to anchor.fm to get started. This is a Kitty Pod production. Welcome to CR Crime, the only podcast dedicated to true crime in New York's capital region. I'm your host, Jason Bullitt, whom you may remember as the host of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, of which this is an offshoot, or a spinoff, if you will. Boy, howdy, have we got a doozy for your ear holes this week. It was a sting operation, an arrest, and a controversial trial that sent ripples through the Muslim community in both the United States and the capital region as a whole, that occurred just several years after the attacks on September 11, 2001. The arrest of Imam Yassin Aref and Mohammed Hossein. Situated on the west bank of the Hudson River, Albany is the capital of New York State, earning the title from the downstate city of Kingston in 1797. The city is home to the first municipal airport in the United States even though it is currently in the neighboring town of Colony and bears the ridiculous title of Albany International Airport. 30 years ago, the Knickerbocker Arena, later the Pepsi Arena and now the Times Union Center, opened, providing the citizenry of the city and surrounding areas a venue for concerts and many sporting events, some of which with yours truly in attendance, ranging from AHL hockey games to WWF, now WWE, Monday Night Raw. Albany is a collage of distinct neighborhoods and is home to a number of small businesses ranging from bakeries to watering holes. Hipsters and counterculture types have made the Lark Street neighborhood their home for decades. Nearby Washington Park hosts an annual tulip festival each May, recalling the Dutch roots of the city's early settlers. Interstate 787 slightly bisected the city in the late 1960s, and all it took for its residents to reach the waterfront was a pedestrian bridge three decades later. The Albany of yesteryear remains only in the minds of those who lived there during that time, as many buildings were torn down to make room for the Empire State Plaza, which is visibly featured in this podcast artwork. Sadly, since the late 20th century, it's also been home to a number of crimes, especially gaining the title of murder capital of the capital region. But of murder, we'll speak not in this episode. Instead, we'll run it back to 2004 and an arrest that caught the nation's attention. In August 2004, Yassin Aref was the imam of the Masjid As-Salam Mosque near Albany's West Hill neighborhood, which, given its character, is actually in a disused storefront. But then again, a church is more than its physical building, it's the people. But I digress. The Muslim man of Muhammad had emigrated to the United States from his homeland of Iraqi Kurdistan and fled to Syria with his young family to escape the rule of dictator Saddam Hussein. 
While in Syria, Aref worked an odd job as a gardener, then later for an office of the Islamic movement in Kurdistan, out of the capital city of Damascus. The IMK was an organization that assisted Iraqi refugees in Syria while working with the U.S. to oppose Saddam's rule in Iraq. Aref emigrated to the United States and settled in the capital region as United Nations refugees in 1999. He founded the Masjid al-Salam Mosque in Albany the following year after previously working as a hospital janitor and an ambulance driver. Mohammed Hussein, meanwhile, was a pizzeria owner from Bangladesh who helped found the mosque with Aref. After four years of quietly providing spiritual services to the Albany Islamic community, FBI agents invaded the mosque on August 6, 2004. They were tipped off by an entry in a notebook Aref left behind in Iraq and discovered by our troops in what his Wikipedia article described as a bombed-out encampment, end quote, during the Iraq police action in 2003. I don't want to get into a debate about whether or not it was a war here. The notebook contained contact information for both Aref and Hussein, which was classified. Keep that in the back of your mind, as it'll come up later on in the episode. Upon discovery of the notebook, the FBI launched a sting operation against the two imams. A Pakistani immigrant named Shahid Hussein, certainly no relation to Muhammad, but an accomplice of the latter here, ended up getting the latter to be a middleman to set up a ref to take the fall. Hussein, who was facing deportation and a long prison sentence for fraud, would assume the name of Malik and be told by FBI agents to offer Muhammad a $50,000 cash loan to renovate his business, and he would get back most of that same amount in checks from the latter's pizza parlor. Hussein would do so on the false pretext that he got money from selling a Chinese ballistic missile and would use it in association with the Pakistani-based terror group Jaish A. Muhammad to assassinate that country's ambassador to the UN. Whether you're looking to get a loan for a home, automobile, or even a massive weapon to end a diplomat's life, you need someone to co-sign for it. This is where a ref comes in, as this arrangement is necessary for Muslims. And that is also where the FBI stepped in, as this arrangement is also necessary for bringing alleged terrorists to justice. The G-men claim money laundering is the reason for his and Hossein's arrest, simply for the former being witness to the loan, that would be a ref, of which he was unaware as being anything other than on the up and up. Pakistani officials also cried foul at the arrest, as they deemed the aforementioned assassination plot was a work of fiction. In the fall of 2006, Aref and Hossein were brought to federal trial, with Judge Thomas McAvoy presiding. The defense argued that the whole meeting was cryptic to the point that it was incomprehensible. Also of note, the informant, that would be Malik in air quotes, had dinner with Aref at his home and was quick to pat down the informant, asking whether he had a recording device on him at the time. The informant had no wire on him, but let drop in conversation that New York would soon be the target for a missile attack. In the end, Yasin Aref was convicted of all 30 charges of conspiring to aid a terrorist group, money laundering, and providing support for a weapon of mass destruction, when have we heard that before, and providing support for a terrorist organization. Meanwhile, Mohammed Hussein was convicted of only 10 of those charges. The terrorist organization in question, as we've mentioned before, was Jaish A. Mohammed, which the informant told the FBI agents Aref had supported and was linked to Al-Qaeda, 
However, a ref was acquitted of the 30 counts which involved writing checks as a means of providing financial support to that organization. A ref's legal team filed appeals citing insufficient evidence brought on by the aforementioned acquittals. On March 8, 2007, a ref and Hossein were each sentenced to 15 years in federal prison, half of the term called for in the federal sentencing guidelines. A ref had been remanded to the Rensselaer County Jail. The local news media produced op-ed columns decrying the sentences. Fred LeBron, longtime Albany Times Union columnist, asked for extreme leniency, saying, quote, Someday we'll look back on the present national paranoia over terrorism and the excesses done in its name with the same national embarrassment that Americans feel for Senator Joe McCarthy's communist witch hunts of the 1950s and our appalling treatment of Japanese Americans during World War II. Someday, but not anytime soon. And certainly not before Yasin M. Aref, the former imam at an Albany mosque, and Mohammed M. Hossein, a pizza shop owner, are sentenced. Looking up from a warm seat somewhere, Senator Joe must be viewing all this with a knowing smile. End quote. In response, the FBI contacted the editorial boards of both the Times Union and the Schenectady Gazette and ran their own think piece in both papers, stating that the singing operation was legitimate in their eyes. Aref criticized the U.S. government's treatment of Muslims while professing his innocence, but it was not enough to spare him jail time and was sent to the communication management unit at the federal prison in Terre Haute, Indiana. While Hossein was a naturalized U.S. citizen, Aref would be deported once his sentence had ended. Before the trial, it was revealed that then-President George W. Bush had secretly authorized the National Security Agency, or NSA, to expand its surveillance activity in the country. In January 2006, arrest lawyers filed a motion challenging their clients' cases tainted by the illegal status of the NSA surveillance program. Two months later, the government countered by filing a classified motion, which was both unprecedented and a violation of the Sixth Amendment to the Constitution. Judge McAvoy rejected the motion within two hours, which was even more unprecedented. Two weeks later, the New York Civil Liberties Union filed an amicus brief supporting the right to public access of court decisions, while the ref's lawyers also filed a mandamus with the U.S. Second Circuit Court of Appeals, arguing that the whole affair violated his constitutional rights. Over two years later, the court declined the petition and upheld the conviction in the process. The NYCLU also gave the Muslim Support Committee, who raised over $30,000 worth of financial relief for the two convicts and their families, an award. On July 2, 2008, Mohammed Hossein's and Aref's appeals were denied. A few months later, a petition for Saratari to the Supreme Court was also denied. In July 2009, the Department of Justice Inspector General published a report stating that the department should look into criminal cases again to see if evidence had been unfairly held as it was classified. The IG's words, however, came to nothing. The same could be said for a resolution passed by the Albany Common Council asking the Department of Justice to act on the report. As of the recording of this episode, Mohammed Hossein remains in an unnamed federal prison. However, Yasin Aref was released from federal prison on October 4, 2018. After his attorney filed a habeas petition and following a hearing in Scranton, Pennsylvania, he was sent on his way back to Iraqi Kurdistan on June 7, 2019, 
following his prison sentence. He arrived safely after four days, and his sons joined him within a few days. The family were reunited in freedom for the first time in 14 years, and to make the reunion all the more special, it came in time for the birth of their youngest daughter. On the 15th anniversary of his arrest last August, a ref joined in the commemoration held in Albany via teleconference. Yassin's eldest child, Salah Aref, returned to the U.S. late that summer to attend Harvard Law School. The elder Aref was also the subject of a lengthy interview on Kurdish television on August 30th. Shahid Hussein, the informant, would later take part in no less than two other sting operations and was paid $100,000 by the FBI for his help. He later used the money to start a limousine hiring business, which was implicated in one of the worst transportation accidents in U.S. history in Schoharie County when 20 people were killed on the afternoon of October 6, 2018, a mere two days after arrest release from federal prison. We'll cover that in a future episode. This may be the end of the story of the arrest of Yasin Aref and Mohammed Hossein on this episode, but there's some media to consume if you want to find out more for yourself. It doesn't have to end there with you. If you can find it, there is a program on PBS called Security vs. Liberty, The Other War, which contain interviews with the president of the Masjid As-Salam Mosque, defense attorneys, and representatives from the FBI and U.S. Attorney's Office that aired on PBS on April 20, 2007. Whether you can find it, well, that's anybody's guess. If watching things isn't your bag, but you want to read something, Yasin Aref, you'll be glad to know, wrote his memoirs while he was at the Rensselaer County Jail awaiting sentencing. The book is entitled Son of Mountains, and, it, and Aref wrote the book with the help of Stephen Downs and editor Gene Finley. Son of Mountains, according to Yasin Aref's Wikipedia article, is the nonfiction story of the life of Aref, an Iraqi Kurd who grew up under the rule of Saddam Hussein and later risked his life opposing him. A rep had been at the Ressler County Jail for a year and a half when he decided to write the book. It's available on Amazon and other good booksellers. And that'll mark the end of this episode of Crime, or CR Crime as we now call it. Thanks as ever for listening. When you get a chance, listen to this and the Keep It To Yourself podcast where we'll have a small business salute out for you before too, too long. If you like what you're hearing, tell your friends, tell those in your inner circle. Give it a good write-up and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe to the podcast there and listen on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the podcatcher of your choosing. Thanks as ever for listening. Have a happy and safe Memorial Day weekend. And overall, just stay safe out there, will you? Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. And discovered by our troops in what a ref's Wikipedia go... Oh,